as we start today a series called You Asked For It because you literally did. We threw out some questions, some polls, and you guys responded. And today we're kicking off with the number one vote getter. And the number one vote getter in this whole series that we're going to be talking about is divorce. That should shock some of you because we had some topics like alcohol. We had some topics like homosexuality. We had some topics like politics and we had topics like debt. And out of all of the topics that we threw out there, you guys said, let's talk about divorce. And so we're getting ready to get very real. Because I know in this church here this morning, there's some people, you've been divorced. There's some of us in here that you're actually in the process of getting divorced. There's some of you in here that you've been divorced and you're remarried. You've been divorced again and remarried and you're divorced again and you're looking at this guy thinking he's the one. And so we're going to talk about that here today. You see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus talked about, he dealt with the real life issues that were going on all around him. He only had three years to do his ministry. He did not have time to waste. And so church, here's what we're going to shoot for as long as God allows us to do this thing. Is that we are going, <coughs> we're going to try to answer questions and deal with things that people are actually asking and actually dealing with. And so as you continue to journey with us here at Hope City, you're, you're going to hear us start talking about some things because the Scriptures talk about them. Some of us in here as men, we just struggle. We struggle with how to respect people. Man, we struggle with knowing how to submit to authority. We struggled with it for all our life, some of us. So you're going to hear us start talking about some of the things. We may even talk about how do you literally, genuinely love someone how do you treat your wife like she ought to be treated? I think every man in here is still trying to figure that one out. Amen? amen. Good. I was like, hopefully you guys are going to say amen to that one. We're going to talk about this one. We're down here in the South. How do you serve someone? How do you truly submit and serve someone that your father and grandfather may have hated? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk, continue to talk about finances. And it's not because we want all your money. Listen, God has told us that He did everything He needed to do and create in six days. He didn't need a seventh or an eighth. He's given us what we need, church. And so we're going to talk about your money. Because I don't know about you, but I am not rich. And I look once in a while to see how many dollars I have left in the bank. Here's why we push children's ministry and we're doing what we're doing today. Parents, you can go see what's going on in children's church, Hope City Kids. Because we're going to talk about some things in here. Excuse me. They're going to probably make you uncomfortable. I guarantee it's probably going to make some fifth and fourth and third graders uncomfortable. Or actually, we're going to push you to the limit. And when you get in the car, you're not going to be talking about where you're going to lunch. You get what I'm saying? See, we're going to talk about sex in here because God created it. And when it's done between a man and a woman who are married, it's a very healthy thing. Holla back, right? <laughs> Listen, I had four kids. 
It's a very healthy thing, or at least I think so. Maybe my wife could preach it from a different standpoint. You think it's healthy, don't you? I'll see you later on. That's all right. That's why she told me to go to the gym. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. We're, God created it. And we're going to talk about it. Because I think it's greater for you as a parent to approach it from the aspect of what God and the gospel says about sex than just leaving it to chance and hoping that Snapchat and Instagram and the kids riding the bus get it right for your children. It's going to be awkward. Listen, I've already had it with my 13-year-old. It's weird, all right? The mood was perfect. The light of the campfire was great. He still didn't receive it too well, but it, we're working through it. We're working through it, all right? But I'm not going to leave it up to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff to tell my children what the gospel says. And so today, you guys asked for it, and we're going to get right into it. Divorce. God's pretty simple. I love how simple God is at times. He just breaks it down here in Malachi. We're going Old Testament, Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. This is a famous scripture that most every one of you in here have heard. You've probably heard some preacher talk about it. Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. It says this very simply. God says this, I hate divorce. I hate it. Let me break that down to you in the simplest of terms. God hates it when a man or a woman, he hates it when a spouse takes the other spouse and turns it loose. That's what the original Hebrew says. He hates it when a man or a woman takes the spouse and he turns loose of them. He hates it when a man takes his wife and sends her on his way. God is very clear that he hates it. And so if he hates something, he hates it for the only reason that it is a sin. Okay? God says it clearly. I hate Divorce. You see, God set up the institution of marriage. And back in the day, it used to be a very sacred thing when a man would enter into a covenant with someone else. Back in the day, what they would actually do in the ceremony when a covenant was signed, they would actually take an animal and they would cut it in half, like a bull, a ram, a goat, or something like that. They would cut the animal in half. And they would place one half of the animal here and another half of the animal here. And the two parties that were signing into this, con- this covenant, this contract, if you would, they would let all the blood and the guts and everything that was inside of this animal drip into the path between the two halves. And then the two people signing into this covenant would actually, they would literally physically walk through the two halves of this animal. Now guys, it sounds one way, but let's go into another sense and let's start to imagine this. I would have had to have had my extra padded soled sandals because can you imagine walking through that mess with the guts and the innards and the blood 
curling up into your toes. It was a mess when two people walked through this, entering into this covenant. I've actually wrote this into my next wedding ceremony. When I do my next wedding, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get a goat. I don't remember, I don't know who I'm marrying next. I got a couple on the calendar, but if you're here, man, we're going to have a good time. Just make sure we get some tarp laid down and the goat we're going to cut in half. I'm going to make you guys walk in between. Listen, that's a lot better than some unity candle, okay? I can promise you, it will go, it will, your pictures on Facebook will look amazing. Is that a goat cut in half? We're going to try it and see how it goes in the first one. But you see, it was intended for a purpose. Because back in those days, a covenant, man, it was a big deal between man and God. It really was. Like, it was something that was intended to never be broken. You see, when they walked through the path of this animal cut in half, they would usually utter a statement like this. May this happen to me if I break this covenant. If I do not hold up my end of the bargain, and if I separate this covenant, may this happen to me. But you see, somewhere along the line, the covenant has lost its purpose. It's still a big deal to God, but for some reason, us men and us women, we don't think it's that big of a deal. And so that is why God hates divorce. Because we are separating, tearing apart something that we entered into And it was never intended to be torn apart. Some of you guys know firsthand, I have never heard one person say to me, I'm going through a divorce, and man, it's great. No, I've heard story after story after story. I've seen couples very close to me. I've seen people, wonderful people, godly people, who divorce has wrecked their life, because that's not what God intended to happen. And some of you know it all too well, because that's where you are today. Scott, I'm I'm going through a divorce right now. Scott, I know my closest friend, she's going through a divorce right now. What do I do? I'm going to come back to that in just a second. There's some people sitting in this church here this morning, and you're sitting beside a person, and divorce is one of the topics that you all talk about, not because you're trying to figure it out, but you're trying to figure out what to do next. You're you're, you're in the middle of getting ready to have to make a decision. Am I going to spend the rest of my life with this person or am I going to get a divorce? Some of the wives are sitting here and you're hoping to God that your husband is listening. And there's some of you husbands here today that you're hoping to God that your wife is listening. I'm a man... 
And so today, what I get ready to share with you for just the next few minutes is going to have a lean or a bend towards the male perspective. Because I say this when I do marriage, pre-marriage counseling. I say this, that the health and wealth and well-being of your marriage, man, is heavily upon your shoulders. Because God has called us to lead our home. God has called us to lead our wives and our family. He has called us men to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. And so, yes, the weight does rest on the man's shoulders. And so for just the next couple of minutes, I'm going to go through this really quick. Because I know that there are some people here today teetering on the brink. And men, again, you can talk to me afterwards But the next four things that I'm getting ready to share, I'm going to cast on your shoulders, men. I don't know if you take notes, if you write in your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, if you want to just start writing some notes down. But here's the first thing I need you to know. And listen, I say men, women, please listen. But the first thing that we're going to have to do, if we're sitting here on the brink of divorce, if we think that it's going to be easier if we just rip this thing apart and let it fall wherever it falls, we're wrong. It's this right here. You're going to have to kill your ego. You see, God did not call us to a life of wealth. He didn't call us to a life of luxury. He didn't call us to a life of fame and glory. Somehow we've got this so mixed up that we think that this is all about us. I think it's just the opposite because Jesus said that you must come and die. I don't know how we got it so mixed up. Actually, I do because I've been there. Is it so much easier to think that this is all about us? And so the first thing that you men are going to have to understand is that it's not about you. You're going to have to kill your ego. You're going to have to take I out of your vocabulary. And you're going to have to start looking for some ways that you can submit to your spouse. Andy Stanley said it best, we'll cure all marriages if a husband and wife would simply try to out-submit the other. Honey, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get lower than you. Jesus Himself said that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And listen, hey, men, because I'm a man, I know that it sounds good, doesn't it? Like some of us are pumping ourselves up right now that we're going to open the car door for our wife when we leave. It's so hard. And we cannot do this on our own. If we could, we would have done it a long time ago. Right, men? Good. Got one person with me this morning. Woo! We want to kill the ego. We're some arrogant creatures. And our spouse is the one who gets the brunt of it. Second thing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Listen to what this says. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary. Let us not become weary 
in doing good. Let us not become weary. Some of us in here are weary, and that's why it's easier just to sign a paper and be done with it, and let's just see where it goes from here. Because it's hard doing the right thing, especially when that person doesn't deserve it. Newsflash. Not a single one of us in here deserved what Jesus did on the cross for you. And I am so thankful that He continued to do good. It says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, it may be three years from now, it may be six years from now, but it doesn't specify the time frame. Continue to do good, it says, and at a proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Some of you in here right now are wanting to give up. But Scott, you don't know what it's like in my house. I I can probably tell you about what it's like in your house. There's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of silence. We're sleeping in different beds. Here's the deal. Get a smaller house with less bedrooms and then you will take care of that problem. I can almost guess what it's like in your house. You tell me there's a marriage problem. I can probably tell you. Listen, because I've probably been there. Listen, I've snapped remote controls in half. I've thrown them against the wall. I've driven from Houston, Texas back to North Carolina talking about when are we getting a divorce. I've talked about those things. And guess whose fault it was? They say it's 50-50. I don't believe that. It was my fault. I was a jerk. But I'm thankful that God gave me the strength, the knowledge, blessed me with a godly wife who didn't give up. So if you're sitting here today, and you say, I know God hates divorce, and I know that it's a sin, and I know it's going to cause all kind of carnage and nastiness and bloodshed, but I'm going to give up. No. No, you're not. See, there's a reason you're not in bed today, because that's the warmest place in the triad right now. There's a reason that you're here, and you need to know that it is worth fighting for. So here's the deal. For those who are wanting to give up, you thinking this, the grass is greener on the other side. No, it's not. I can promise you it's not. The same issues you're dealing with your spouse, multiply them times five if you find somebody else. The grass is not greener on the other side. You don't have to start focusing on what's right. Some of us in this room today that are sick and tired of our spouse, the only thing we focus on is what's not right. We focus on what's wrong. We keep score. I hate when we start keeping score in my family because I always lose. I hate it. So I'm always saying, quit keeping score. You guys are going to have to focus on what's right. Amen. When's the last time you said, dang, honey, you look good? Like right now would have been a good time. The grass isn't greener, man. I'm going to promise you. Third thing is this. Some of us are going to have to grow up, men. 
Some of us are going to have to grow up, and I'm going to say something that your wives have probably said, but not as blunt. Listen, if you spend as much energy, effort, and time on your spouse, your wife, as you do with boating, with fishing, with playing softball, like we got all these guys running around here. And listen, I'm all for sports. But we got these guys running around here doing all of these tournaments like they're 40 years old. It's just time to grow up. Let your kids play. And if you don't have kids, go to the park and watch some kids play because you don't need to. You have a marital issue. Your boat, your fishing, your softball tournament, your golf game, your whatever you do is not going to fix your spouse. And it's definitely not going to fix you. It's not going to fix your marriage. So grow up and you have a healthy relationship at home. And then I will promise you, because I've seen this firsthand, my mom and dad have a very good relationship. Like, I've seen a great relationship going, growing up. And my, my mom lets my dad play golf eight days a week. So you fix home, and she will be more than... She probably would go fishing with you. You see what I'm saying? And so, man, I'm just going to say it very bluntly. Some of us need to grow up. Today's the day. We need to put our spouse before our hobbies and our friends. And we need to grow up. See, God didn't stutter when he was speaking to Paul. He said, let us not become weary. It's going to be hard work, guys. Let's not us become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. And this is what I say. And again, I'm not saying this as an expert. And you can talk to my wife, and she will have many flaws and faults of mine. But we try. And every time I go through a pre-marriage counseling session, I will always talk about the word cherish. I will always talk about it. And so if you want to try and implement one thing, because you're not going to give up, you know it's going to be hard work, but you believe that God is who He says He is, and that He's for you, and that He's going to strengthen you and return strengthening this marriage. Listen, men, you have to cherish your wife. Like you have to treat her like that most valuable, prized possession. She is someone worth cherishing. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what she does. I don't care what she sounds like. She is worth cherishing. I need you to know this. She's worth cherishing not because she's your wife. But she is worth cherishing because she is the daughter of God. And she is very valuable to Him. And He has entrusted you, man. He has entrusted you, men, with her life. How dare we disrespect a daughter of the King. So today, God help us to cherish our spouse. I can promise you, men, she's longing for it. I told you we'd come back to those of you who you've been in the wreckage and the carnage. And I'm just going to ask us all, could we just bow our heads and let's just start praying.
I know that there's some healthy marriages. As I see and as I look out through this crowd, I see them. You know how I know that I see a healthy marriage? One that's vibrant. One that's made it. Most of the time the men either have no hair or gray hair. Okay? And so I see some healthy marriages out there. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you right now, would you just start praying? Because there's some marriages in here that are in bad shape. And they don't need a church service. They don't need some crafty, funny words coming from the preacher. They need the Holy Spirit of God to intervene and restore. Because you, if, you have, if you've been divorced or you're going through one right now, listen, that does not label you as who you are. I have seen God restore the person who's been divorced. I've seen Him use a person who's been divorced. I've seen Him bless the socks off of people who have been divorced. And so if there's pain and there's hurt, and there's all kinds of scars that are defining you right now, listen, you are not defined by your divorce. See, God is a forgiving God. And I love the fact that God can take your situation. He can take whatever's broken, whatever's messy, whatever's painful. He can take your broken heart and do something that only God can do. I've told many men this. Your divorce may go final. And God may not restore your marriage. But I can promise you that He can restore you. And so maybe God is going to take this mess and may do something in your life that you would have never seen coming. You see... In Romans 8.28, and if you're one of those who are divorced and you may be going through one, this scripture is for you. Romans 8.28. And we proclaim it over this place today in every single one of our marriages that are struggling. We proclaim God's word. And he says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. It may not feel good right now. It it may even get a little darker. But I'm just going to ask you to believe in God's Word. Do you believe that He's got this? And He can take some wreckage and carnage? And He can work good in it. Hey, God, I thank you. I thank you for restoration. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Hey, Scott, I'm struggling in my marriage. not divorced 
But Scott, it is difficult. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. Hey, Scott, would you guys, would you guys pray for me? Would you just lift up a hand and say, Scott, that's me. Hey, staff of the church, you see these hands that are lifted in this place. For those of you who are lifting a hand at the end of this service, the pastoral staff, Pastor Mitch, Pastor Bradley, Pastor Brent, myself, we're going to be right up front here. Man, we would be honored to pray with you today. So before you leave this place, man, would you come talk to one of us? Because I want you to leave this place today knowing how good God is. But I also want you to know that you're not in this alone. God, for those people here today that have gone through the nastiness of divorce, God, will you do something only you can? Will your Holy Spirit fill them? Let them know, God, that they are forgiven Let them know, God, that your word is true and that they are not broken, that they are not messed up, that they are not defined by their past. But God, your word proves true every day. And God, I pray right now that healing starts to take place this very moment. In Jesus' name.